Hello, welcome to another episode of the Piano Forte podcast. I am your co-host Felicia and I'm joined with my co-host Audrey and today we have a guest with us. Hello Robert. Hi. Hi Robert. Hi. <laughs> Glad to be here. Oh. Awesome. Yeah, um, before we start with whatever we're going to be talking about, the topic, which... Not quite have. clear yet, but we'll figure it out. We haven't yeah. decided. <laughs> That's the fun. That's the fun being on the That's journey. The fun about having a guest, right, basically. Right, yeah. Um, do you want to start uh, like with a little introduction? Who are you? Well, my name is Robert, as stated before. Um, I'm a musician from the Freiburg area, so we we live in the yeah, same city. We do. Um, I am still in Freiburg. I haven't moved anywhere yet. <laughs> yes. Yes. Still, so, still coming. Probably. Um, I'm working as a mastering engineer, so in music production, I'm working in the theater as a stage musician, and I'm teaching currently. Yeah. And I have taught at the university that you went we to. We attended. So yes. uh, this, like Lindsay, he was our docent at our like music university, music college, whatever that thing is. <laughs> um, that's where we met. Um, but you also graduated from the same school. I did. It was a different time, though. It was. It was like a long. Yeah, period. it was much earlier, and yeah. it was a very different school back then. So. Yeah, because the management changed yeah. during yeah. my time. Uh, but I did study in Freiburg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a good starter. Um, you are very active, like with the, with the like I would say the big. Uh, aspects of music like teaching performing and um sound engineering recording yeah. stuff but i guess you are like the bigger capacity is the recording part right the probably the biggest at the moment is being on stage oh really because i just came um like we just finished a 48 show run of oh, um, oh, of theater our theater one. production yeah ah, the, the, uh, the children theater yes one. I yeah I play usually children's pieces or like family pieces as they call it in the theater oh. it's super fun because you you play a heck of a lot of shows mm -hmm. for a heck of a lot of children and they all love it and it's great oh, it's, it's, so it's really fun and the productions are very high quality ah. and usually very professionally done yeah. Okay, I suddenly just felt bad because I've never seen him perform. <laughs> there's that. there's still time. I mean, I'm back at the theater for another mm -hmm. production in late March. Cool, cool. But that's not a children. That's like the opposite of a children's piece. Oh, it's a very sad, very dramatic piece. Okay, yeah, cut yeah. me in. I guess I'm yeah. I'm I'm in for this stuff as well. I I I mean, yeah, why not? Um, was the theater? project the previous one was it like an original score like original sorry something dropped <laughs> is it your phone my phone <laughs> i'll grab it later uh but was it like an original score like original story or it's not an original story it's pippi langstrom pippi longstocking yeah um, i i've heard of that but I've... it's it's I, I don't think it's particularly famous outside of central europe at least i don't I... think so yeah I don't know. I'm not quite sure, but it's very, very popular here in Germany. It's Swedish in origin. 
Oh. It's uh, Astrid Lindgren. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. heard of her. I have she's heard a, of her. She's a very famous children's author. Mm -hmm. And she wrote the original, which was, I think, books. And then they made films out of them um, mm. in multiple episodes. And we played a version of that, which was like an episode piece. So we have a couple oh. of different stories that are, you know, that were, you know, glued together to form a bigger theater piece. And, oh, that that is cool. But that that, cool. that part of the production was original, and all the music was original, written oh. by two musicians from Berlin. Uh -huh. Coincidentally, yeah. Why coincidentally? Well, one of them is from near Freiburg originally. Ah. Uh. And she lives in Berlin now. Okay. 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 Yeah. Ah. So okay. That, that and the 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 next one. Is the it, next one is going to be a, are you allowed to do a spoiler i mean by the time sure, this yeah, episode I mean, is up it's already yeah i mean way the, over the the children's production is done already so yeah, i mean i can talk about that that one and the other one I, nobody told me not to talk about it so i guess oh you didn't sign I'm, a contract for no, I, <laughs> I guess i'm allowed to and the production has been played already last year it's just uh, they they're oh, doing wait. like they're doing a few more shows this year because the the demand is there mm. and i'm just jumping in for somebody else who couldn't make it for this year so okay and that's a production called schauensland named after one of the yeah one of the taller mountains in the and black forest. forest yeah and it's a very dramatic piece about a group of english students in the early 30s ah. who came to germany i don't know the exact backstory i'll have to check it out um but who came to Germany or to this part of Germany to walk up or to hike up the Schauensland. Oh, and wow. unfortunately they've chosen a very terrible time to do that because it's snowstorming and oh, they're I'm, getting lost. And I, of the, I think 28 children or something, five die of exhaustion before <gasps> everyone gets rescued. So it's a, it's oh a very sad, dramatic piece. Oh my God. And the music is equally, well, it's a modern it's a modern, you would call it chamber opera, maybe. Mm, okay. Uh, like a mixture between like a theater piece and, a, and an opera. Can you, yeah, okay. Can you elaborate a little bit like chamber opera for those who are not uh, common, like musicians that are not so familiar? What is chamber orchestra? Like a chamber opera, what's instrument or? I mean, I can tell you what instruments are going to be in that production. Okay, yeah, because sure. it's 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 different. It's, it's different a, for a lot of. It's yeah. a contemporary piece, so mm -hmm. it's not a traditional orchestra in the sense that you have strings, woodwinds, and brass and percussion. Mm -hmm. It's more we have two vibraphones, drum set, electric bass, and a string quartet. Are you going to be which instrument are you play? Yeah. Oh, are you playing? Yeah. Oh, you're playing with. We have also we haven't mentioned he plays a hack ton of instruments. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, trying. Just like what, what many instruments of our actually? other guests that just like play 700 instruments, he's one of them as well. Uh, mm -hmm. What instruments do you play? I started out playing piano when I was little, like five years old. Mm -hmm. Then um, I started playing guitar, drums, bass, saxophone. Wait, you violin. play saxophone? Yeah, I didn't know about that. Violin, at all. viola. La latest one is flute. You like a flute as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of everything. And with drum set, obviously, it's like orchestral percussion. So there's marimba, vibraphone, mm -hmm. timpani, mm -hmm. like small percussion, and all that stuff. 
did you take like lessons for all of them or did you do some I took lessons for didactic for piano drums and guitar when I was little or okay. not little when I was a child all the way through my teenage years okay. and then the saxophone I learned by myself ah. and bass kind of as well I mean I had bass lessons but it was more like I played together with a guitarist and it wasn't exactly bass lessons it was more like I just started playing bass and figured mm. it out but and you also did bass for your bachelor I did yeah I studied I studied bass <laughs> originally I studied drums choice. for two semesters but then I switched well, I didn't yeah. know about that because well. yeah I wanted to play notes and not just sounds so <laughs> <laughs> oh um yeah we, you were our at least my dot send for um ear training yeah and one of the thing in ear training is the uh, dictations mm -hmm. I am terrible at like rhythm dictations no you're not I am I've seen your exams <laughs> <laughs> well there you go from an actual let's <laughs> in my class uh, this episode could also be a roasting Audrey <laughs> in the class <laughs> well I, I just gave you a compliment though didn't okay. I? I didn't really Thanks. roast you yeah you didn't but yeah. I I feel like that is my weakest suit just because it's a lot of sound that as as you said like you wanted to play notes and not just sounds yeah. in my head also rhythm dictations is like a lot of sound but not notes. well there's there's music to be found in sounds as well true but it's and for me it's harder at it, it is i think it's a little more abstract because notes and harmonies kind of tell you where to go they mm -hmm. tell you if something's sad or happy or it, you know anxious or whatever it it's it's very it's much easier to understand and mm -hmm. like if you were to maybe transfer to the realm of art mm -hmm. playing notes and harmony might be more figurative Vibrant. painting uh... and just rhythms or drum grooves or whatever might be more abstract mm. you know there's still a picture in there there's still meaning yeah, and there's still, there's still a story to be to be understood but it's much harder to do with just drums i think mm. but i mean a rhythm dictation isn't really drums as well it's more like it's an exercise right true so i i don't know how musical you can make rhythm dictations you know without making them ridiculously hard you did some 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 stuff i remember like some fashibong. What is fashibong in English? Shift. Some okay. shifts, yeah. Um, polyrhythms. Yeah, some kind of. It was not like crazy hard polyrhythm. No, in, in, I don't think I did any polyrhythms. No, you didn't actually. Class. It's no. just like fashibong. It's like. It's like rhythmical displacements. Yeah. What is it? Rhythmical displacements. Yeah, yeah. There you there go. You go. <laughs> Felicia, chime in anytime you want, Fish. <laughs> This is very entertaining to listen to. So okay, I'll I'll try to chime in more. Yeah, that um, uh, and I'm just like I don't understand any of this. Sometimes like I'm just oh, I mean, that was one of the big advantages of having drum lessons very early because you get a very like intimate feel for rhythm, mm. right? Which a lot of instruments or instrumentalists who don't do anything particularly percussive struggle with, 
right? Mm -hmm. If you look at classical string players, for example, mm -hmm. oh, it's I've yeah. had very very mixed experiences with classical string players, although they're I all incredibly highly educated. I would agree, but it's just not as not as tight. It's not as tight, and it's it's not a part of the of the education as much as it, as it is for popular musicians. I think true. They do have rhythm training. They do play incredibly difficult music rhythmically. Mm -hmm. If you look at something like the the Sacre du Printemps, the Stravinsky piece that mm. we talked about in class, oh once, yeah, if you remember, spring, um, yeah. it's very challenging rhythmically. Yeah, right? and they can play it, but it it's a different approach to rhythm. Yeah, it's not as it's not as exact and it's not as accurate. True. I also like, I think a lot of those like harder pieces, I think, I, of course, there's always like um, a guideline as per how to play it, but it's not as, as you said, it's not as accurate. It's not like as, like, it's not as straight yeah. to the, to the point kind of. Whereas, yeah. like in popular music, I think it is a bit more dominant to be to be more precise, to be more tight. To be... Well, it needs to groove, right? It needs to groove. It and needs to I think roll. one yeah. thing that doesn't get talked about enough in classical education is it needs to groove as well. True. You know, a Mozart symphony needs to groove just as much as you know a Bruno Mars piece. That I think. Is... That is a good because as as soon as there's rhythm involved to a point where it it has a steady pulse and it makes mm -hmm. you want to move, and classical music does do that, I think. I mean, there's ballets. Actually, People dance to ballets yeah, all the time. True. Obviously. And also like it needs it needs the steady tempo because if not, then how 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 are the ballerinas gonna exactly? And if you listen to something like a Viennese waltz. Right. Yeah, that grooves like mad. Too. Yeah, it's just yeah, a very true. different kind of groove. Mm -hmm. It's. Um, I remember somebody taking my classical music class mm -hmm. in university who has never really listened to classical music before, and what they were alienated by in classical music is the lack of what we in music production call transience. True. Which yeah, is the, the, you know just hard point, percussive hits. The strong. Yeah, yeah. Points. which in, in pop music, that would be kick drums and snare drums and, you know, all that kind of. Yeah. Like, all that kind also, of stuff. just for a reference for those non-musicians, again, transience is like when you see like a wave of the the audio wave, you can see like a, a line where it's like a sudden hit like that is like a harder, louder noise usually. Mm -hmm instead of just like continuous thing and i think a lot of non um a lot of people who are not so familiar with uh classical music but they're familiar with popular music they tend to have that yeah that, like the imagination that classical music is just and it's obvious without transience it's kind of obvious that that happens too because it's it's being played There's in a, a very lot. different yeah. uh, context yeah if you sit in a concert hall and somebody hits the bass drum on stage yeah you're true. not getting very strong transients because everything is kind of getting lost in, in the room the right? yes. so classical recordings reflect that as well they're not mm. particularly rich in transients mm -hmm. they don't have you know particularly percussive information even though 
there is very percussive pieces out there, especially in contemporary music, right? Yeah. But you never reach that point of attack and that point of aggressiveness and the transience that you do with popular music. Mm-hmm. And if you're used to that, if you're used to a four on the floor kick drum and dance music, classical yeah. music won't do that for yeah. you. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's just the same. it's it's just different worlds. But classical music has a lot of other other elements that I think are just as interesting and just as enticing. Yeah, um, yeah. we were talking last time. I mean, a few episodes ago, um, mm-hmm. that I did like a habanera. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So a habanera is not particularly super classical, but it is somewhat still considered because it is still sometimes played with orchestra. And people who listen to popular music might consider that as somewhat in the classical realm. Mm-hmm. But also habanera, like so those kind of like a bit more danceiness. That, that has the dancing element to it, I think also has more transience, right? Like, do you have any like recommendations maybe like for those who don't listen to classical music that might be interested in or easy to take in? Yeah, I mean, there's music that's incredibly easy to take in, which is a lot of classical era music. Oh. Haydn and Mozart usually. Haydn and Mozart. But if you're looking for, for strong transience, and like very stronger-ish, yeah. stronger-ish like more <laughs> modern a more modern take on rhythm in classical music i think contemporary classical music does a lot of that really well mm. you know some some early 20th century but mostly later 20th century and later 21st century yeah. music i guess okay so like hmm i mean definitely def hmm, i wouldn't say definitely but I don't know, but the thing is, the the musician, the composer that came to my mind when like, oh yeah, it grooves, it kind of grooves to me is like Tchaikovsky for some reason. But Tchaikovsky's none in the realm that you talk about. I mean, he wrote some beautiful waltzes, for example. Yeah, Those two groove. The, yeah. that that's what I was thinking about like the waltzes the dances uh, from Tchaikovsky they're they just in my opinion for classical music they grooves yeah I mean there's a lot of a lot of very rhythmically oriented music by Shostakovich for example oh yeah it's true um <laughs> Stravinsky obviously oh. Prokofiev yeah uh, yeah and... Stravinsky the the and a lot of modern music as well. Philip Glass, for example, wrote beautiful music that's not oftentimes not as strong in like transience, if we talked about that, mm-hmm. but that's modern enough for somebody to get into very easily, I think. Did we also do Philip Glass in your class? I think we did. We right? did, like, yeah. Like the I 12th think we listened to one of his symphonies, I think the second symphony. And no, that was Steve Reich that you oh, talked about. Oh, yeah, Steve Reich, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, He's a lot of rhythmical stuff, right? Yeah, that Steve Reich is, is another lot, one. Like, yeah. minimal music in general, I think, is a good place to start if, you, if you're if you used to listening to the more repetitive modern dance music, for example. Mm. If you want to get into classical music, I think that I mean, that would be a good point to start. That and is then a... maybe work your way backwards and then realize that, you know, you that like Bach... some stuff and you like other stuff. <laughs> that not Bach so much. also probably grew. Oh, he, oh, he, he did. did. Yeah. Yeah. He did. It's just different. 
it, it is different. I don't know how to explain it though. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just something you need to listen to, I think, and figure yeah. out whether you like it or you don't like it. That is good advice. And, well, <laughs> but then also in classical music, there are quite a lot of dancers, right? Like there's the Hungarian dancers, the Slavonic dancers, the Norwegian dancers, Spanish dancers as well. Yeah. And they're all very, I feel like anything that is like has a dance in it is always very rhythmical. I mean, yeah, I mean any, by the nature. Any, no? any classical music connected to some form of folk element. You know, I think it's there's dances in all kinds of cultures. Yeah, true. And if you listen to African classical Ooh. music, if you will, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's very the, rhythmical. That's the I mean, isn't African like classical music like the base of what we consider now as the popular music? I mean, hip hop, a lot of it, yeah, jazz, yeah, a lot of it, yeah, right, originally, or like Afro. Cuban, Afro, Brazilian. and there's influences of of all kinds of cultures. I mean, Arabic music. Yeah, a lot of our rhythmical components for our pop music today come from Arabic music, Indian mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. or you know, Latin music, Latin American. Oh, Latin is getting strong recently. Yeah, yeah. I just remember as well. Yeah, that's... it's all a big melting pot of, of right rhythms now, and right cultures. Now, yeah. I think in music right now, yeah. And there's there's certainly certainly elements that you hear a lot more than other elements. I mm-hmm. think most importantly the four and the floor kick drum, but I don't I don't know if that has one particular or origin. I think it's more, you know, it's it's rhythm broken down to like the most fundamental elements. Do. Much like it happened in the art movement in the early 20th century, right? Where people mm. would just paint a black square. Like, yeah. what's, the, what's the guy's name? Kazimir Malevich? Something like that? I don't know. Is that, no idea. that is another You, you might want to fact check that. I, that. I just saw it in might, a, in a might, museum need, at some point. We might need to fact check that. But also, uh, art history was also a subject in our college. And that yeah. is also a subject that I... Yeah could care probably i could care probably more but the thing is ah, the, the presentation of the dotsend was just like not interesting at all yeah and so yeah. at some point i was just like lost in the well that that's that's sad lost in the other sad, homeworks that i need to do it's a very exciting topic to talk it, about it could, yeah i i do still remember some of it uh because we we had a couple switches with the dotsend and I do still remember some of it that, that was like, oh, that is actually quite interesting. And then the switch happens and like, ah, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> the other topic. I think the fun. thing about like Western art for me is that it's very far removed for me. So it's a bit harder to get into. Like there's a lot of nuances that I just miss that I think it's more natural if you had grown up around the paintings. True. That That is also, yeah, like connectedness. Like a lot of the symbols. And things like that. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but the art art world is also fascinating, and a lot of what happened in the art world, like a hundred to hundred and fifty years ago, is happening in music now. So music's yeah. kind of lagging behind that a little bit, in the abstraction of, you know, in 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 the classical music world, a lot of mm. contemporary mm. classical music is ridiculously abstract. Oh, yeah. And the same kind of like pop music is going in a different direction now because pop music is being broken down into its most elemental forms 
or like most basic forms. And much like I said, you know, the, what was it, 1920s or something, 1910s, mm-hmm. um, where art was kind of broken down into its fundamental pieces. Music's doing the same now, but it's different because music really works that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and art does too, but I feel like it moved away from that, from that movement or from that fad if you can call it that quite quickly <laughs> bad <laughs> um whereas music has been broken down in, into its elemental pieces since for like for, for a like, couple decades now yeah and it doesn't seem like for we're getting long. away from that particularly yeah, quickly actually actually it's it's staying it's yeah staying. and it has advantages and disadvantages i mean one big advantage is it makes it incredibly accessible True. It makes it, it gives music the the option or the ability to just be everywhere and you know be a companion to anything you do throughout the day. I guess kind of like a minimum, like it's just it's not invasive in that you really yeah. need to take time to appreciate it, but it does give you a lot of you know entertainment, joy. satisfaction, joy, whatever you want. Yeah without being being super hard to understand i think so i think that's a great advantage and it it brings music to an incredibly wide audience that plus the availability of it yeah right? the availability of it right now is because it's it's never been cheaper and it's never been more accessible than today both yeah, from is... a from an artistic standpoint and an economic standpoint Wow, that is a, a good switch of topic right now. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 really didn't uh, specify any huge topic. I mean, I mean, just steer me into any direction if, yeah. if we're going too far off topic, whatever no, that might be. No, I I, no. I, I, like I don't think anything's off topics. Well, it's still music. Pretty much, so it's still music, and, yeah. And our podcast is, uh, anyways, sometimes quite random. Anyway, well, like the. Uh, mm-hmm. what's like we're just talking as it goes and we just find topics in any sort of music uh, realm I guess so yeah uh, talking about access to acts like how easy it is to access music right now do you think it's um, also like for the musicians like profitable how do you see it because you also like produce and I do publish, produce publish um, music and stuff like that do you think the accessibility is it the word access accessibility, accessibility yes accessibility yeah that word yeah. is is it really good for musicians or is it actually harder i think it's a huge double edged sword right because On the one hand, it's never been easier to publish. It is so easy. It's ridiculously easy. You can do it within an hour if you have material and some money. And it's not even it's not even not even expensive to do that. It's not. I mean, yeah, true. The the like the like distro distribution platforms. They've been they've been popping out of the ground like mad. There's a distribution lot, services. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of those, and I mean, we also use distribution service for the podcast. So, what can I say about that? They're great. I they're mean, they're, great. They're, they're they're helpful. They're really helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's uh, yeah, as you said, it's 
yeah, the the you know the double edge that I was talking about is um just the sheer number of music or the sheer amount of music that's being published that published way. yeah uh, you just compete with literally and it's it's not pitches. even that you that you directly compete with people i think i've never really felt any competition to anything in particular online no yeah it's uh, the only competition i felt is that i was kind of fighting a tidal wave mm -hmm. of content mm -hmm. that you kind of get swept up in Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't like you never know where you end up yeah. you never know if anybody actually finds your your content yeah and i think that's that's the case for music as well as just content creators on youtube for example yeah because for every topic you you can think of there's 10 youtube channels who do basically the same videos yeah and in music if you want to listen to you know the four on the floor edm yeah there's a hundred thousand artists, artists yeah. who do the title basically yeah, the yeah. same music yeah and you will never know where you land in that yeah yeah and it's very hard to get out of that swamp if you did publish like i've published quite a few pieces now i've published two records mm -hmm. with my own band and i've published you know we're about to publish a new record with my other band named a band cerulean Name. There you oh. go. <laughs> yeah. And we're about to do album number three with that band. And then there's another album coming with my other band, with my jazz band from Switzerland. Oh, yeah. oh, the uh, the one that you played vibraphone? Yes, marimba and bass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you play also bass in that? Yeah, mostly. See, I... <laughs> there's Not a the lot. instrumentalist. <laughs> Wait. And what's the band called? The one that you play with in Switzerland? Uh, the Dimitri Mondstein Ensemble. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I mean... And it's really interesting to see because I, I watch Dimi, our band leader. Um, he's working his butt off yeah. trying to get record labels to notice him, trying to get radio stations to play his music, trying to yeah. get gigs. We're trying to like plan tours, which obviously over the past two years has been pretty much impossible. Mm -hmm. um, and all that. And th the work you put into it is not being recognized at all true for it's really hard actually. for a very very long time and if you're lucky you can get out of that but there's a lot i've of met a lot of musicians now that that just do nothing but try to get their music out there with mm -hmm. just writing new content trying to contact people that might help them along the way mm -hmm. and um some of them even have very good connections into the music business but even that mm -hmm. doesn't help because yeah. nobody really knows how to do it right mm -hmm. if you don't have a backing of millions and millions of, of euros mm. with you know maybe a major label or something like that yeah. i wouldn't know how to get my music out there properly and mm -hmm. as you say there are so many random factors involved in that development like even if you do work your butt off you know for months and years and and, and decades sometimes um there's no guarantee that you'll ever end up anywhere have you seen tick tick boom on netflix no. no so it's it's a musical um i forgot who wrote it 
but the Netflix adaptation, I think, is directed by Lin Manuel Miranda, um, which is a hot sensation on the Broadway community now. Uh, anyway, Tick Tick Boom is a story about like that one man show um, that the writer or the creator of it he died one year before it actually got premiered on Broadway and it lasted for like, I don't know, 12 years on Broadway. And it's like exactly your point as well. Like you, there's a lot of factors, you work your butt off and you will never know where, where you land. <laughs> it's It seems quite arbitrary when you look at it from the outside. Yeah, I think if you were a little more intimate with the 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 inner workings of the music business yeah. actually, you might make it work better actually it's all but, about connections no well i don't know it, it it does seem like connections really play a huge role in the in the um probability with mm -hmm. which you eventually get somewhere mm -hmm. but the probability itself it's is still ridiculously low mm -hmm. And for every artist that you hear on the radio and for every artist that fills a 10,000 seater, mm -hmm. there's, I don't know, 150 to probably 10,000 artists mm -hmm. who don't do that mm -hmm. and who make zero money. Mm -hmm. My band, my my own progressive rock band, Cerulean, mm -hmm. has made zero money. Oh, really? Yeah. What? I've spent way more money on it. Like if you if you actually calculated the amount of hours of work okay. I put into yeah, it, sure. then it's it's that, you know you don't even need to make that calculation. That but, yeah, um, I know because I'm also doing just on stuff. paper, just on paper. Um, we haven't made any money. No. Oh really? Wait, but you have played like paid gigs, right? We have played paid gigs, but not enough. And I've never really done enough in terms of promotion and in terms of getting myself out there. Because at some yes, point I, I just said, I don't want to spend my days trying to navigate the online music business mm. because that's not, not something I enjoy. And doing that for too long will kind of suck the fun out of, Real, out does, of the band itself. It does. And for me, it was always obvious and that maybe you know ties in with the, what we talked about, the music business aspect. Like, what do you do after college? kind of question yeah for me the yeah. band was never meant to be job a job it's it's a passion and that's all it is it's a hobby right that's I think for musicians hobbies usually have or a lot of the time have something to do with music as well true because there's so many things to do and I I always wanted to stand like I always wanted to have multiple pillars to kind of base my my business around the teaching, the being on stage, and the music production are my, you know, three kind I th of. I think that is the big three pillars, anyway. Like yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, I totally agree. Like I also feel that way. Like band projects, cool. I I do stuff for the bands. Yeah, sure. How many hours? Ugh, let's not talk about that. But like it, it basically comes back to like I just like doing it even even it doesn't really gain me any like sure little profits here and there but yeah but it's not something you can no. live off of no. i know very very few people who can actually live off of a band yeah that's and that's i th rare, i don't think anyway. i know anybody who 
lives off just one band that is not like you know, the teacher at the same time or no that's not a band that does like entertainment ah like i don't know it's true yeah because as as not as sad but like as as much as we want to be like like our own creative band like our own music but like entertainment based music like cover bands and like for weddings or birthdays or yeah. those kind of events is a lot more profitable it is ridiculously wait, different in, in you, terms of profit wait i i'm suddenly curious i don't know if you would uh you guys both of you would be interested but <laughs> do you want to start a cover band no 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 oh no oh no no oops i would have said no to that no I'm, no I'm gonna, yeah i mean no I'm, no I'm but i was thinking like do you think it would have um if we would have lived in 1800s <laughs> it we would kind of face like similar problem problems no. i think we would face incredibly different problems namely not having enough food on the table and well, our that's... children dying <laughs> it's yeah. that is it's true. true but like as a musician like um, do you think back then would also be like i think the work was the distributed tide. a lot differently because being a musician meant kind of needing to have an education mm-hmm. right like then and being a composer for example meant that you needed the kind of guidance of some other composer with a name probably to kind yeah, of because that's take also you under their felt, wing because that's what i felt like the names that we know now they all kind of like bros to it's, each other it's the same thing though i mean there's there's a thing called pareto distribution mm-hmm. which i don't know if i can i can whip that off but it's it essentially means in any kind of productive environment, mm-hmm. very few of the productive elements do most of the productive work. Mm. And you can see that, for example, in if you go to a classical concert, how many composers do you really listen to out of all the composers there were in history? Yeah. Most of which we've never actually heard about. True. Right? We, we hear Brahms and Mendelssohn and Tchaikovsky and Mahler and... There's like maybe 30 to 50 composers that we regularly hear. That's what I meant. Like they also kind of probably there are many other composers unnamed, like kind of unnamed. Yeah, but they never made it through history. Yeah. Not because they were bad necessarily, but because of all the other factors that to come back to your question. Yes, maybe we're still facing today. It's just it's too much. Mm -hmm. There has to be some form of sorting. How that happens, I don't know. I, I can only imagine, but it's just too so much like, music to contend with. Too, and from those maybe, I would guess, 30 to 50 composers that are played very regularly, out of their entire repertoire, oh, maybe yeah. a very small percentage of that is being played, right? True. Edward, Edward Grieg, for example. We have been having Edward Grieg reference for a, quite a while, but Grieg is one of that, like, if one you, hit wonder. If you look at Grieg, for example, most of what you hear is Perkant and his piano concerto. Yeah, right? it's like mm-hmm. one hit wonder. He's not a one hit wonder. Yeah, I mean, he has a huge no. catalog. He, he, he wrote he, beautiful he music. But, but the one that, that people commonly know is like Perkant. Yeah, the worst one is probably Ravel. 
Yeah. Right? Because he has Bain the one piece that you, yeah. you constantly hear that's <laughs> being used for like every other freaking uh, perfume commercial Yeah, exactly that one. But Wait, what he is has the... a huge repertoire that? of music that is quite different from the one piece you actually know. Yeah. Bravo. yeah. And Shostakovich is another Ooh. one. Yeah, you, maybe not in the eyes of somebody who's actually educated in classical music, because I think as as kind of classical music connoisseurs, um, well, I wouldn't call myself that, but I do listen I, to Shostakovich. You do regularly, yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> and he has he has uh, quite a few symphonies. I think mm -hmm. like eleven or twelve symphonies or something like that. I would. No, he has more than that. He has up to fifteen symphonies at least. Really? See, I, I, I haven't a, even heard of Felicia has uh she has an app that she listens to classical music. Oh like yeah, that. I did you. I did you. I don't know if you oh, yeah. no, heard I, of that. I haven't heard of See, it. um that is another thing, right? With the music becomes so like consumable that there's a specific app for that. Yeah. But also like that is probably how you discover it's probably a niche product though, isn't it? Like a classical music listening app? Yeah, it's it's only for classical music, but it runs all the way back to like medieval. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's something. So that anything I that's really recordings listened. for you can find. Yeah. Me neither. So sometimes you would come to me and be like, "Oh, I'm listening to this from Idagio," and then I was like, "I've never seen that composer name ever." Is it an app that was designed to kind of bring unknown composers to the forefront, though? Mm, not so sure, but I think of it like Spotify, but for classical music. Right. So there's still a lot of luck element, I think. Yeah, it, it's not really luck, though. They, what I've noticed... They, yeah. Sorry? Because um, I was just going to say that they do have playlists, and then they do try to kind of diversify. So like I think a while ago, it was like Black History Month. So they had, like, they put out all the albums that were like by famous black composers. Mm. Or played mm -hmm. by black musicians. Right. That's, That's cool. Yeah. So I think there is some attempt in trying to di diversify it. I mean, but it, yeah. Spotify also has that like similar artist recommendations or something like that. Like what I've noticed though is no matter where you start in Spotify, mm -hmm. you can start with the most unknown artist. I usually do, yeah. And then you have it on random play. So it just randomly chooses the next song for you. Mm -hmm. Within a couple of songs, you're back to major labels. True. So there's no mm -hmm. real random mode in Spotify. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you if you look at the search function, and that's another thing I think that has to do with just being overwhelmed by the mass of, of mm -hmm. data that's available on Spotify. If you look for something, I noticed that because we released a single with the Mondstein Ensemble mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and I was trying to look it up on Spotify, and it literally didn't show up. I typed the the song oh, name. True. I also had and that I saw a couple of song names that were kind of similar, but not exactly what I wrote. And then they were like, you know, did you mean like when you type something you in mean, wrong on Google, yeah, it says, mean, did you mean that and that? And then they give you they give you results that have nothing to do with what you wrote. Yeah. But just mean something vaguely similar. Yeah. 
I got a lot of those results afterwards, but I didn't find the piece that I was actually looking for, even though I typed it incorrectly. I, I, I had that issue as well uh, with of Dreams and Nightmares first ever um, single. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's kind of similar to to other, like the band name itself of Dreams and Nightmares there are songs that called off dreams and nightmares or dreams and nightmares and then um the song our song title is with you and there you go the the google search or or the spotify search at that time was just like no yeah you would think <laughs> that it would give you all the results that are closest to what you typed into the search bar first yeah right? but it doesn't that's interesting. the most of the results you get are popular yeah, by popular right. base, the more people and like, kind of it pre-sorts that for you. Yeah, be, I mean, because the more people clicks, I think the algorithm just pushed it up. Yeah, exactly. Upwards, so people, which is great because most people are probably looking for the most popular tune, and for them to find it quickly, you know, they need a a mechanic or some form of like pre-sorting apparatus to make it easier for them to find their piece, hmm. but. It doesn't really make it easier for people who aren't very well known. True, it's, because it's they not. just get lost in the <laughs> they're, nether. They're, realm. Just, uh, like, they're just lost in the in the swamp, yeah, as you said. Yeah, previously. exactly. And I think for all those online platforms, there at least should be a mode that you can switch on and off, that kind of pre-sorts the stuff by other measures, just like tags. You know, and I want like I want a mode on Spotify that's like a true random mode mm. that doesn't differentiate between popular pieces and not popular pieces. Mm. You know, if I listen to, I don't know, Psytrance, for example, mm -hmm. and it does a random play, I want another Psytrance track, mm -hmm. but maybe not the most popular one. I don't want to mm. listen to Infected Mushroom within like two pieces. I agree you know, with if that. you want to, if you want to really encourage people to find new music, you need to get rid of algorithm uh, algorithms that pre-sort by popularity, or at least give us the option of of turning Switching them on and off. off. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is. That might be one yeah, step. I never thought of that. That is take. mad. And it's the same for videos on YouTube. True. And it's the, the same algorithm. for I don't know games on gaming platforms. True. 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 Well, that that is a business talk and a half, Robert. Well, are you coming up with your own? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually very much not a business person. It's just something I you think I observed about. and I think about because I mean, I'm as I said, I'm about to release record three with with my band, and I'm thinking of how to release it and if it actually like makes worth a difference the, worth the effort is, is it i mean it is worth the effort for me and it is worth the effort for the people that i know will listen to it yeah but i don't expect anything to happen after that release oh wow. i expect it to be on spotify with like 120 clicks yeah and that's it wow that's and it's there for ev for everyone who wants to listen to it but i'm not gonna you know, spread myself too thin trying to get this 
out in the world. That is such a good sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've gone quite for a while. I need to check the time because I'm usually, I'm in charge of the timekeeping. <laughs> oh, just realized we're, we're so not sharp in that picture. Like, we're not in focus at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, well, we're professionals. <laughs> Sorry to everyone. No, you know what? Being the bothered old, by that. I I know by the time this episode will be released, the first person that would comment about that is my dad. Oh, yeah. I have never heard any. Oh, the mics in in focus at least. Well, well, there you go. I am. I think I am sometimes in focus, but you. I'm not it's though. I'm, <laughs> the light. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like I'm the, not at all. Um. Yeah, you you're almost like over. Um, overexposed yeah um, anyway i don't know uh it's i'm for, not a film person as you as you can see i'm a we music we are, person we are all not film person people come on robert are you <laughs> kidding me okay um so let's kind of wrap up usually we wrap up with some recommendations Ooh. yeah so Ooh, that's cool. yeah. do you like want to start or <laughs> Usually we let our guests start because if you have a lot of recommendations. Oh, we should make a game out of that. Everyone should should do song recommendations. I mean, we always do song recommendations. Well, but from from very different styles. Oh my god! <laughs> do like do like three <laughs> classical pieces and three pop music pieces. Oh, ooh, ooh. Okay, each of us. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And yeah. no overlaps. Are you up for that? Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm going to start. Okay, please. Obviously, no, I'm scared. obviously, I'm going to have to say the Sacre du Printemps as okay. a, as a mm. classical piece, The Rite of Spring by yeah. Stravinsky. That's your favorite, eh? It's, it's one of my favorites. And I think it's a great piece for people who love progressive okay. rock. Yeah, okay. Because mm-hmm. it's essentially classical progressive rock. And it's... Mm it's very very deep and it's very complex True. and right of spring yeah, is, lots of layers right of, lots right of stuff of to figure is out quite a and it's quite not a too long poster it's, it's not even 30 minutes long which for a classical piece is yeah. you know on the shorter spectrum or shorter end of the spectrum then i would definitely recommend one shostakovich symphony mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you can I don't know. There's there's so many good ones, but one I played before is number eight. Mm-hmm. And that was quite the spectacle. Like that was, you know, quite the event playing it and listening to it. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. And it really gives you a good insight into his, you know, his musical persona, if you will, mm-hmm. and the maybe political and geographical background of that or historical yeah. background i mean shostakovich that would be he, a whole he, other he, talk he, to get uh, into that but well we we could we could have a talk specifically about shostakovich yeah. if you yeah, want definitely. to <laughs> and then one i i recently listened to which absolutely blew my mind was philip glass's akhenaten oh, the never, opera i've never okay. it's like a i don't know no, three three and a half hour either. opera or something it's okay. it's pretty long yeah yeah Wow. And or is it is it less? I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but I listened to it recently and it's it's fantastic. It's minimal music, but it's an opera. It's sung and 
it's really special because it's written in a few different languages and sometimes there's no lyrics at all. They just sing mm. ah, right? Oh, but it's Philip Glass. Off, it's minimal music. Off, it's very repetitive. Yeah. It's based yeah. on upon patterns, but it's it's really fascinating. And if mm. you can uh, listen to it or watch it on YouTube, I think there's there's a recording on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken, because mm -hmm. it's also visually um, impressive. Okay. Yeah. It's you great. need to you need to send me the link because we have a blog. I keep saying this in yeah. all episodes. We have blogs, and we put notes like links and stuff. Yeah. So if you can find me the sure, that would sure. be great. Okay, now you're. Should we go with right. the classical first? Like oh all yeah, the do round? the classical. Then I have a few minutes to to think about some, <laughs> okay. some pop music. Okay. Uh, can I start the classical one because I know you have yes. a lot more than me. <laughs> I need to hunt for them, but sure, go ahead. <laughs> okay, the first thing is basically coming back to I love Tchaikovsky, and recently, um, I've been re-listening to Swan Lake, um, but in particular the small swans. <laughs> I don't know why it's one. one minute forty seconds. It's a great so, choreography too. It is. Anyone. It is very pleasing to watch. It's like so satisfying. That's probably why I watch it. Um, that is the first classical one. The second one, does Gershwin count as classical? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Gershwin. You might bridge the gap between classical and Oops. pop. Yeah, like Gershwin. I I generally like playing Gershwin. Uh, there are a couple of titles that I've played. It's wonderful, it's basic, quite basic for Gershwin. Uh, do it again, um, whatnot, yeah. So Gershwin, basically, there's like an entire, like there's a guy that just play like Gershwin piano solos and I really love that album. I would also send it to you, Felicia, for the notes. Mm -hmm. So that is that. The third one, mm. let's see. I was thinking about um, something with vocals <laughs> and my, mm -hmm. my brain just went directly to Rossini, the cat Ooh. duo. <laughs> oh, I, right. I know yeah. it's kind of like cliche for me to recommend it, but it's just so funny. So like, I always love it anyway. So that, that, that three, actually, it's not, um, I wouldn't say they're like new founds for me, obviously not. They're just like things that I go back to every once in a while. Then I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't listened to this in a long time. Let's listen to it and jam over it. Because, <laughs> yeah. It's an evergreen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Green. True. Yeah. So that's my three classical. I know it's kind of boring, but there it is. It's out. Okay. I need, I need to look up my phone. Sorry. I don't have it on the top of my head. Uh, but there is one from, there's a piece from, is it Shostakovich? Shostakovich, yes. And where was it? It's a variety suite. Sorry, I need to look for the title now. Suite for Variety Orchestra, sorry. Number one, waltz number, uh, I think it's the second piece in there. It's like the waltz. And I actually first heard about this piece from YouTube because I was watching, uh, there's a YouTuber called, I think like, Matthew Buckley and he does like line rider videos mm -hmm. and he did a line rider video to this piece and I really liked it a lot so I went to listen to the piece again after that uh, so there's one 
And then meditation by, I can't pronounce the name. Is it Masanet? Yeah. Meditation I by Masanet. Okay, good. Gilles Masanet, I think it's, it's pronounced. I don't know. I don't know. I have... French people. Oops. <laughs> well, sorry if I mispronounced the name, but it reminds yeah. me of the time that you couldn't pronounce Bojak. <laughs> I really couldn't pronounce his name. My gosh. Bojak? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it, it's make, it makes no I'm not going to try that. actually yeah, see the name written. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a piece from Greek, Norwegian Dance. Oh, you. Opus 35, number one. I think I mentioned it to you, right? I don't think I mentioned this one to the podcast yet. Mm-hmm. The Norwegian dance. Yeah. That's that's pretty that's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Woo! One round survive. Can I can I recommend albums as well? Sure. Or does yeah. it have to be songs? I mean, hey, I recommend uh, like like Gershwin, like I named like an entire oh just, just oh, Gershwin. Gershwin. <laughs> no, the piano, the piano solos. So I was I was gonna go back into like my earlier progressive rock days. Yeah, the mm-hmm. stuff that influenced me, and obviously I have to pick a Genesis record. Mm. Contrary to popular opinion, I think my favorite record is "And Then There Were Three, mm. which was done shortly after somebody left. I don't know. I'm I'm not that good with with band histories. Mm, um, me neither. There's people who are much better than yeah. that, or much better at that than me. But it's a great album. And it was one of my progressive rock, okay. uh, you know, influences, if you will. Mm. Is it also like an album that you come back? I do yeah. regularly. Okay. Yeah. I have it on vinyl, actually. And I do listen to the vinyl, uh, the you vinyl, vinyl version. Or, you have a vinyl player. I have so. a, it's over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't see. That. Yeah. I do listen to to vinyl regularly. Mm, and that's cool. From a production standpoint, it's really interesting because there's a 2006 remaster of that record, <laughs> which is just absolutely god awful. Oh. Not the record, but the remaster. Oh, okay. Because yeah. a lot of information completely gets lost. Ah. And then you listen to the vinyl recording, to the original release, and you think, oh, wow, there's a bass in there. And Jesus, there's melodies that I've never heard before. And, wow, I can actually understand what he's singing. And you know, that's yeah, mastering mastering can make or break yes and yeah it was it was released in the definitely in the wrong decade though 2006 is not a good yeah i was i was thinking like oh 2006 (laughs) no that's that's not a good time yeah so that's one and then there were three is is the record by genesis another one that i've picked up a couple years ago that i got for free because somebody had a big box of CDs in front of their house oh, with cute. a sign on it, like, just take whatever you Super want. Shanky I, I want to get rid of them. <laughs> and I picked up uh, David Easy. Bowie's Black Star, okay. which I think is an absolutely fantastic record. And it bridges the gap between the pop or like art pop and jazz. Because yeah. it's, it's quite jazzy in, mm. in places. And I really like it. I'm not a typical like traditional jazz listener, but a little bit of jazzy influence here and there really same, can't hurt. Same. Yeah. Same, same. And another one. I need to, I need to think of a third one. So why don't you 
continue. <laughs> this was your game. I have a lot of CDs that that I really like, but I'm trying to pick one with, you know, a special meaning, if you will. Okay. Okay. Um, so, well, do you want to start or should I start, Fish? I can name two albums off the top of my head, but I have to hunt I for the third one. I can also name two on the top of my head. So third also... one's hard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll go first then. Yeah. Um, so this album is A Thousand Sons from Linkin Park. Mm. It's one of the more avant-garde albums they had. And it's actually the first album I bought from Linkin Park. Mm. So it's a very strange introduction to the band. And the music they produce. So, yeah. Then another one would be... Okay, so the artist is called Stephanie Sun. She is a Singaporean singer. And the album is released a few years ago called A Dancing Van Gogh in English. Oh. In Mandarin, it is just but direct translation. So, yeah. Those are albums, but albums, right? Albums, yeah. Do you have any specific song that no? If it's not, it's also fine. You mean from the album? Yeah. Not really, because I usually listen to her album straight back good. to back. That that is a good thing that I and I quite like everything quite equally. <laughs> um. Right. No eyes on me, eh? I can uh, I can uh, <laughs> say my third one though before you start. If you need some time to think. They. It's okay. I, I can say the, the first two. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do two then. The first two. Um, I mean, the first, I think um, for some weird reason, I can't, I just, I didn't, uh, uh, I just, <laughs> I didn't just came across to this song now, but I came back to it recently. And I was just like, hmm, that's kind of in my mood right now. It's uh, Taylor Swift's Tolerate It. It's a song in 5-4, I believe, which is quite new for Taylor Swift. Um, but she has a couple of 5-4 songs in her newest album, her most recent, which is in 2021, I believe, was released. Um, so yeah, that's quite mainstream. But I do like that one song, Tolerate It. The other recommendation is by actually a Japanese band named Red Wimp, if I'm not wrong, Red Wimps, Red Wimps. Um, he, uh, the band, the band uh, did a soundtrack for Weathering With You. It's an anime movie. I believe it's not a series, it's a movie. I forgot the title that of the song that I really liked, but uh, I, I can put it on the notes. Um, anyway, that it's a random artist that I just figured this week out of a sudden, and I just like really like that one song that I cannot remember the title of. Because the thing is, it's not in Japanese, the title, so I should probably been able to remember it but it's just like six words it's like a, a whole tr sentence <laughs> i'm bad with titles anyway so that is my second recommendation all right well i have a choice between two but i think i'm going to choose the one that's closer to prog rock mm -hmm. 
which is Mike Oldfield's Platinum, mm -hmm. which is a record that's, well, I would call it instrumental. There's voice in it, but well, it's not really the, the center point of attention there, especially the first half of it. Um, it's kind of repetitive. It's kind of experimental, but it has some very cool grooves and very cool sounds on it. Mm. And it's just, I don't know, it's just different. And Mike Oldfield has a very kind of unique style of writing music. Mm -hmm. And production-wise, it's pretty cool. The other one would have been like some Bjork record, but they're all great. So oh, God. Okay. Just, yeah. I'm just going to say Bjork and then <laughs> just listen all right. to all of her music. <laughs> that's 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 actually, yeah, not a, not a bad shout. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much you can recommend. I mean, there's there's thousands of albums that I've probably listened to more or less that I really loved, but, you know, got to pick a theme here. Yeah. Okay. I think suddenly I, I just remember something that I see, yeah. but I, the, again, I'm so bad with titles. So usually I need to prepare for this because I need to look the oh, title up. Put you on the spot there. Yeah. I don't remember the title. Ah, oh, damn it. Do you, do you have the, 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 artist you or like album or title that you want to name the third option yeah it's, this is hot <laughs> okay, this is really I, hot. I can also name Cut. i can also name mine it's semi ray the thing is okay. i truly 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 forgot her um songs i i listened to a couple of them but I don't remember any of them right now. But anyway, Sammy Ray. I can also do that, just like you. <laughs> just like the entire artist. She she has quite unique um, play on pop because she also makes a little bit of like Latin or jazz elements into it. But it's still very, very, very poppy. So yeah, Sammy Ray. That it, there it is. My third recommendation. All right. Cool. <laughs> Stressful. Okay, so um, my third recommendation for in a pop site is a Singaporean artist, singer-songwriter, uh, who I think is largely based in Australia, actually. He's mm -hmm. called Charlie Lim, and this album is Time Slash Space. Yeah, the whole album is, is, his music tends to be very chill in a way. Like he plays, he sings and he plays guitar as well. I don't can't remember if he does them at the same time, but um, yeah, his music is very chill. It's very, it grooves as well. It grooves. I don't yeah. think you've sent that. No, I haven't really mentioned this one. Yeah, I, and I, I remember. I'm sure I've sent you Sammy Ray songs. You have to send me again. Probably for the notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember this. Because remember, I said I buy albums, right? So I bought the album for Time and Space and I was really, really cool because like the lyric booklet, like you had to, is perforated on the sides and then you had to kind of tear it to read the rest of the lyrics on the inside. Oh. Like it's a booklet with like perforations. That's cool. Yeah. That's... So it was like a complete experience. Yeah, you need to, you need to un unveil it. Yeah. All right. 
That's cool. Okay, good, good, good challenge, Robert. <laughs> you also, I think this is the first episode that will be over an hour. I think. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, How lovely. It's it's fun. I think you had fun. I would I did. Say. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. I mean, if you suddenly be like, oh, I want to talk about this particular piece, you can also just. If if you have anything else to talk about, I'd, I'd be happy to. No, come we, on again but. yeah Boy. we have a we a we have it on guest. record we have we also yes. have it on on record so yeah 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 cool then um we just say bye basically bye <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> what, a, what uh, an abrupt so. end <laughs> <laughs>